When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone. This is Marissa with a quick update for you regarding this episode of our Umbrella Academy podcast. In this episode, we have a conversation that deals with sexual assault. We understand if listening isn't the healthiest decision for you, and we welcome you to sit this one out if you need to. Take care, everyone. Season 3, Episode 5 of The Umbrella Academy, Kindest Cut, may be over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I know that no one person is insignificant, certainly not my co-host, Marissa Garza. Marissa, how are you doing today? Well, I at least am not rolled up in a carpet, so, you know, I, this day this is, this day is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good so far. Yeah. Today, we are also excited to be joined by another guest co-host, uh, Big Brother, Love Island, and the Challenge podcaster, Brian Scally. Scally, how are you doing? Oh, hello, hello. I'm good because unlike Marissa, I actually did just come from a busy day of playing Guy in the Carpet. So uh, it's been quite the day for me, uh, but very excited to be here talking about the Umbrella Academy. Oh, one of the better bits of humor from this episode. Well, before we jump into everything, I want to make sure everyone knows about our feeds. Of course, you can find us at postshowrecaps.com slash umbrella dash academy dash feed or also at postshowrecaps.com slash super and postshowrecaps.com slash binge. Make sure that you are continuing to follow at least one of those feeds throughout the rest of July as we continue going on our journey through the season three episode breakdowns and for our feedback show at the end. Also remember that you can reply directly to us at uh, Twitter 
uh, at either Frail Mary or Mars Bars. And you can also reach out at super at postshowrecaps.com as well. Yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, we're halfway through. So hopefully yeah, you, I'm found sure you found us in the feed. <laughs> or hopefully. But if not, if you're jumping in halfway, we we love to see it. Um, and that's where you can find us as well. You never know. Maybe there are yeah. some people who need to listen to like nine episodes before they feel well, the need to subscribe to a feed. Yeah, yeah. Or there's like people that love specific episodes. And that's when they're joining in. So yeah, exactly. So just a reminder up front, these episodes will be spoiler-filled recaps, meaning that we'll be talking about each episode from the perspective of having watched the entire series as a whole so far. So if you don't want to be spoiled, make sure to go finish up through season three, and then you can come back and join us. Which, speaking of, let's talk big picture. First off, Scally, since you're new to this uh, Umbrella Academy podcast series we've got going on, when did you first get introduced to the Umbrella Academy? How did you find out about the show? So I had heard great things about the Umbrella Academy, and often I try to wait till series are over to binge them um, if I don't think that I'm too likely to get spoiled because uh, it's hard for me to... Mm. Uh, just find time and also to remember to keep up with them in the real time as they're dropping. But the Umbrella Academy, I eventually had heard so many good things about and it seemed up my alley. So I uh, gave in and did jump in sometime after season one came out before season two and have been like jumping on the seasons as soon as they come out ever since. Yeah, that's around where I was too. I heard about season one, heard about a lot of good things and then finally watched it and then have been season two and three actually watching in real time. Uh, although I took season two a little slower than this, <laughs> this binge year. So I guess we should double check. Have you seen all the way through season three at this point? I have seen all the way season three through through season three. I like dove in. I think this was probably the quickest I consumed any of them uh, in probably maybe three or so days. Um, <laughs> I was just like ready to go. This season grabbed me. So uh, yeah, definitely seen the whole thing. What was Better it to about get it this? out of the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was before all the all the reality TV starts. Well, yes. Yeah. Binging can be definitely a scheduling situation these days, for mm. sure. But what was it about the season that grabbed you? Like, what kept you going? For me, oh. I had to do this podcast, so I had to binge it. But um, <laughs> probably would have binged it if I was not podcasting as well, just because of the pace of it. But for I'm interested to hear your take on it. Uh, for me, I feel like at the point of season three, I've just gotten to a point where I really care about some of these characters mm -hmm. in particular a lot. Um, where in season one and two, I feel like I was still getting to know and or like still deciding who are my favorites. Um, so by season three, I'm at that point. And I also think that we've introduced a lot of new characters. I think season two had a really good cliffhanger of like, who are these new people that we're introducing and I want to get to know them. Um, so I've always been like a superhero guy. Uh, in terms of like I wanted to see what all their powers were and where we were going so um, just like getting to know the new characters as well was a draw for me mm -hmm. so um, I felt very interested in like being able to jump around a whole bunch of different storylines where pretty much every single one of them interested me uh, like I wanted to binge it basically as fast as possible so who is your favorite from at least the Umbrella <sighs> Squad so it's really tough. Um, I think I'm sticking with Klaus, but um, Daddy Diego did make a move for me on this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> so um, he had always been my number two, but I think it's like a little closer now than it had been past. Wow, that's so interesting because I went at Klaus has always been like far in the front, my number one, mm. and Diego has always been 
either the bottom or second to least favorite. And so this season he had a huge upswing for me. I was like, wow, look at Diego coming, coming from behind. (laughs) Yeah. I always loved Diego. Like Diego for me, mainly because I knew the actor from ugly buddy. Like I I was like, he can do so much more. They're going to give him more. Like I just, I had so much hope in him. He wasn't my favorite favorite, but I I was always pulling and rooting for him. Yeah. Uh What about the sparrows? You mentioned wanting to learn about all their powers. Anyone in particular jump out to you? Uh, like immediately, I thought Faye was really interesting. I mm. wanted to see like what she was actually capable of because I feel like we got a like brief introduction to her powers, but I felt like uh, <laughs> it was not a power that I've seen before uh, or that could like be easily like correlated to some other comic book character or movie character that I had seen in the past. So it was like, what is the limitation and, or like uh, how strong could this end up being? I don't know. Like, I feel like you could tell me Faye could do 700 different things and I'd believe you. Um, (laughs) Like uh, we just had not explored that part of her powers yet. And sure, that would make sense to me. So uh, I think Faye jumped out immediately. So obviously this is a hugely spoiled topic, but In terms of how they handled the sparrows in this season, were you expecting about that amount? Because I've been, I've been going back and forth between feeling like we really didn't see anywhere near enough and they could have done more. And then also feeling like maybe that's the humor is that they introduce you to all these people you think are going to be important and then kill them off instantly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that it's, just slightly less than I was expecting. I wasn't really expecting like the season to focus on them or anything. Um, I didn't think that we were going to have like seven new main characters that are like, you know, expand the cast to like 18 people. Um, But I think I thought that we would get like a little more from them rather than like uh, just like, here's their powers and they're gone. Um, So like, it was fun to have them. I would hope to like, you know, maybe things aren't so set in stone with all of their deaths. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we've seen other characters uh, just in this episode find out they can come back in ways that were unexpected. So uh, with this universe, I'm not going to say that we'll necessarily never see any of those actors again. But uh, I-, I wish for a little more, but I am not surprised, I would say. For sure. I mean, the name of the show is the Umbrella Academy. It's not they didn't change the name of the show to Umbrella Academy plus sparrows Mm -hmm. if they had done that i'd be like oh yeah like tell me more (laughs) do all this stuff i am really interested in like it'd be fun to have like a an animated short behind the scenes or something of like how the sparrow academy came to be and like i'm really interested in Faye, like and how she her powers evolved like that's like one that doesn't sit well well not like not sit well (laughs) but like i can't like figure it out you know what i mean it's like super strength okay one day you just like figure it out but like how does someone get birds to see for them mm-hmm. you know and like have birds come out of them like that's like a whole different it's, it's birds like so coming different. out of them for me that's really the <laughs> the big question the mark. well and like how did she lose her eyes and like there's so many questions with her that she could totally like I, i'd appreciate either some more story or like right. a, this like is a, your sticking point series. not the cute that is <laughs> cute makes total sense Huh. Cube makes sense. <laughs> I wonder, I, like, I do wonder if the cube was like formed out of the energy of the moment and wasn't actually like birthed by a human, but yet to be known. You know, maybe he uh, was birthed a 
more traditional looking human baby and then developed into his new cube form. We don't know. We don't know. With the name like Christopher, (laughs) it could go either way. You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was almost wondering, like, is it more of something where the little little glowy dust (laughs) that we know formed all these children? Maybe it went into like a factory (laughs) instead of a person. It was like a Rubik's Cube type of factory thing. And then it just kind of happened. It's possible. Yeah. Um, What about big picture? Anything else from season three right now that you want to talk about up top? Um, I don't think so. I feel like for me, the Umbrella Academy is like a show that is fun, a little cartoony. Um, So like when there are things that don't 100% make sense maybe on another show like I'm pretty good about just writing it off and moving on um (laughs) like oh we're gonna make some big change to the plot that's fine whatever um so for me the Umbrella Academy is a show that like I think it is a very good show I'm not trying to like say it's all fluff or popcorn um but it at the same time for me is not like the most serious of television so I enjoy it uh quite a bit I like that about it. I think that it's kind of turned itself into one of these summertime shows for me. I felt similarly with like Outer Banks where I'm like, you know, it's just kind of, it's a fun show. I'm very invested in it when it's happening and interested in it, but I'm not so invested that I feel the need to like get upset with many things that happen or think about it throughout Mm -hmm. the rest of the year until it comes back. It's one of those things that kind of in the summer rolls around. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Umbrella Academy is coming back. Sounds good. Let's hop back on this train. I think it's like a creative storytelling of like things that we're familiar with from other things, right? Like it's a super, super people story. It's a time travel story. It's all of these things all all put together. And it's every, every time it comes back, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's how you decided to do it that time. Okay. Moving (laughs) on. For sure. All right. Well, let's jump into episode five, Kindest Cut, which based on the context seems to be very much like a sort of the the not the power but like do do what's best for the many mm, not mm-hmm. not for the individual kind of seems to be like a greater good kind of message from what i take from it i actually couldn't remember until deep into the episode like wh- what the title came from um but it's you know i feel like it's our third episode in a row of kind of plot moving slowly yeah. filler kind of stuff i feel like this is these are some of the episodes like a uh, three four and five that really worked better on a binge individually do you, hmm. yeah do you feel like these could have been yada yada i feel like yeah they could have at least been combined into two episodes mm-hmm. like there was a lot of stuff that i thought were in these episodes that aren't that still haven't happened yet like i thought we, like there were a lot of buildup that i thought we were going to get and then we didn't um so we can start, though, with something that did build quite dramatically from the previous seasons and the previous episode. Klaus died at the end of the last episode. Pretty big what moment. Um, he needed to go see a man about a buffalo and then got shot by the wailing gun by Stan. And he wakes up in what later they're going to refer to a lot as the void or the sort of purgatory, it seems like. I can't really quite tell, is this like a temporary zone, or is this like, this is the place you go when you die, the end? Well, from other shows that I've watched having to deal with time travel, specifically uh, 
the good place and um <laughs> russian doll season two they all ha they have voids in it's kind of like this liminal space between time it's just like this time it's like this place it's not even like heaven hell purgatory any other like it's just the quantum field like this is where you're at it it doesn't have any big you know, it looks different to different people. It has yeah. different meanings. It's something that, you know, I think is even referenced in quantum physics. So it's like it's something that is there, but no, no one really, no one comes back from it to really tell us what it looks like. So I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, think except for Klaus here. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it seems like, like in this context, yes. In this episode, it feels very personal to Klaus. And mm -hmm. I almost was sitting there like, is this like, how klaus's brain like basically fills the time while his body is healing and like this is a thing very specific to klaus that his brain like makes up and um actually is just like all internal like these people are people that he knows of and they're all basically figments of his imagination but it doesn't ultimately seem like that it seems like he's seeing real moments and mm -hmm. um like seeing memories but also like interacting with real people so uh i think it is really like uh, opening a totally new element to the show that has like endless possibilities uh but definitely uh thankful to see that not that i thought they would keep klaus dead but the confirmation of klaus coming back was a big relief here <laughs> yeah and i think s since the fact that we're gonna see in later episodes some other members of the umbrella academy <laughs> in the uh -huh. void with them i think this is kind of just the place where everybody goes um in season one we had a very similar scene where he wakes up after getting i believe just like kicked in the head when he's crawling across the floor uh in the scene where luther's like at a at a rave or something <laughs> um he wakes up here and has the conversation with his with dead reggie who's like yeah i just i uh i killed myself so that you could all get back together and learn the extent of your powers and save the world and so i feel like that we get a very similar scene here where he's chatting with the the young girl on the bicycle again who we are led to believe is sort of the godlike figure in this world based on season one. Um, but he ends up having several sort of, not exactly flashbacks, but like walk, walks through memories of himself as a child, as a teenager, where he realizes that things he thought were near-death experiences were actually death experiences, which does bring into question, like, does he remember what he saw in the void when he wakes up? Because you would think that maybe he would have known about this place before and realized that, but maybe he thought it was just a dream because his mom is later going to tell him that he died 56 times. So it's yeah, a lot of times. I, I think here, like what I took away from Klaus realizing that he can't die and come back to life type of uh, situation was the fact that like this awareness is building. I don't think he had the awareness of, that this was going on as he was younger. Um, and I don't know if it was, um, trauma that got in the way of that one of my favorite parts of his memory time was teenage klaus when he like is like to childhood trauma i'm like yes yes klaus yes i get it <laughs> um so i i think because he's done so much healing in trauma world he can now take what the void gives him going forward because i think that does stick with him um, also probably he was in his teenager form possibly 
heavily medicated (laughs) compared to now. Um, But yeah, Yeah. he, he's going to end up having a chat with his mom as well. And she kind of tells him, don't mourn me. You don't need to look for vengeance. And then he implies, or she implies that he needs to have another conversation with his father because she's like, it's right in front of you this whole time. And he looks into his bowl of soup and the meat forms the shape of a Buffalo. So TBD on that because that that, another thing that I thought was in this episode, but doesn't happen until the next one. Um, But yeah, right, right around then is when we go back into, uh, into the real world, not the dead world. And uh, Stan is trying to dissolve Klaus's body. (laughs) Love this plan. (laughs) You know what? I don't always love the like uh, precocious young child on a show, but Stan really like made his way into my heart very quickly. Yes. I'm a big Stan fan. I think he's so Me funny. Um, the actor's like very good on Euphoria as well. So I uh, was familiar with him showing up here. And ah, Stan's so funny. Like if someone had to kill Klaus and like not have bad feelings, like it probably only would have been Stan for me. Um, <laughs> so like I get it. He's a kid. It's fine. I was interested to see, like, if when that happened, like, if there was any, like, power transfer or anything into Stan. Mm. Obviously, like, that didn't happen. But I was really impressed with um, with Diego's response to the whole situation. I was mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, look at you. Look at you being an adult. Like, I don't know where this all came from, but... Um, Okay, look, I understand maybe if you have lived with your child your whole life, but I think it was, I I was going to say impressive, but more just completely uh, unusual for Diego to be like, look, lived with my brother my whole life, love him, love Klaus, love-hate relationship, but I know him. New son that I don't know, and I've only spent the last like three days with, yeah, I'm just going to be like, oh, it's... Pat on the back. It's okay that you <laughs> murdered my brother. No, I, you gotta at least be a little bit mad. I think he was, but I don't think he was putting that anger on Stan. Like I think he he was able to separate the fact that he was angry and sad about the situation, but also say, uh, Stan, I le- I left you in the room alone with a wailing spear (laughs) and your uncle (laughs) so i know what i would do with that you know what i mean like i think there was some some um recognition there from from diego well i think it's first of all i think on this show we see a number of times where people get over their siblings death very quickly so So (laughs) just immediately almost so uh for diego to be upset at all an improvement so but (laughs) i i think really like marissa was saying it's not that he's not sad it's like it was an accident. He doesn't think at this moment there's anything he, he can do to bring Klaus back. And so it's like, I'm not going to also lose Stan at this moment. Like, this sucks. This is horrible. It's mm-hmm. awful. Obviously, like, I am very frustrated and wish this did not happen. But, like, I could lose both of them very easily here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really can't get over how much I love the Diego Stan dynamic when I really, I I mean, go back and listen to the first episode. I thought I was going to hate it. <laughs> so i was so dreading it like it's hard for me on the rewatch knowing what i know about stan and i'm like oh he's doing such such good such good effort like being a good person is always going to pay off like i don't want to say that it's not but it's also just like oh oh diego you know what i mean like the it's a little different on the rewatch than it was the first watch i feel worse for the fact that (laughs) 
It's not so much the Diego thing. It's the fact that Stan is going to just whoof right away like everybody else. Oh, poor Stan. I so, yeah. Um, yeah. And this is where, as uh, as Scally implied earlier, this is where we get the uh, hotel concierge guy uh, noticing that they're they're sneaking Klaus's body away in a carpet. And he's like, what are you doing? We're playing a game. What's it called? Guy in a carpet. I hope you win. It's just like doesn't care. Okay. And then uh, Klaus comes back to life. Yeah, but in that moment it was also great to see Diego go, Klaus is right. This place is awesome. This place is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You can murder yeah. someone and they won't care. It makes a lot of sense that Klaus like would have done a lot of hanging around here. Um I do think that the I hope you win line just like sells it. Otherwise, like he just ignores it, like good, but just like fully buying in on the game and like, yeah, sure, all right, I'll like commit to the bit is like very, very funny. Yeah, I really loved that part. Um, so and then and then we got a little bit more Klaus later on, but for the most part, Klaus is just comes back to life and and uh interestingly does kind of a a typical like slow heel of his uh, injuries. He seems at first to be pretty much feeling like a person who's still got shot by, by a whaling spear. Well, and this is where I think like the awareness at, it evolves with Klaus in the moment, because if he's died and come back to life multiple times and you could watch yourself heal, you would probably remember <laughs> that you could die and come back to life or at least heal yourself. So I think, I think this is the first time we're seeing it from him as well. So I don't know if his powers are getting stronger or there's just less stuff in the way because oh. of the work that he's done. It takes 10,000 hours to master anything, right? And I think Klaus That's was true. Yeah. running they away from those powers for a very large portion of his life. I would be surprised yeah. if he's at 1,000 of actively working on them. So uh, now that he is seeming to actually put in just a little bit of work and mm -hmm. like accepting it, I guess that uh, we have we at go. least advanced to the point where we can get to this point that he may have otherwise much earlier. And yeah. so, you know, I feel like watching and especially rewatching the first season, it really feels like Klaus's powers are so un underutilized, like really doesn't doesn't do much at all. Uh, talks to some ghosts a couple times in season one um, is able to communicate with Ben. But now that Ben's out of the picture, I think by season three, they were like, we got to give Klaus something else to do because he's still not really like, useful in a fight up until this point. Well, he also he has like multifaceted power. Like, like I think I said in like the season one, re I would be freaked out if my power was talking to ghosts and I was five years old. Like, I would not want to engage with that power at all. Keep me away from that for a while. And so we didn't really get to really see what everything was until this season. Yeah. And in season two, a lot of his power had to do with making Ben more corporeal, but can't really do that anymore either. So mm -hmm. uh, poor Klaus probably felt like like everyone else is going to at the end of the season. So moving on from Klaus, we have a couple scenes throughout the episode of Victor and Harlan. And I wanted to start with this particular one first. It kind of leads off where the previous episode ended, where they were fighting about um, Harlan had discovered that Victor was, was keeping the, the cutouts from the newspapers of all the women that Harlan knows he had killed, including their mothers. And um, so they have sort of like a, a power standoff. They're both like shooting off their powers, uh, which kind of blasts them both well, backwards. Yeah. And it was really interesting because Harlan's like, I could blow you to bits. <laughs> and Victor's like, try me, which is like a big, like a different change, I think, coming from Victor from what we've seen before. Like Victor's very confident. In, in his powers at this time, which was cool to see. Yeah, 
for sure. Um, Scally, do you have any thoughts on like the Harlan of it all in this uh, up to this point? I know that when I was watching the premiere episode, I was like, ah, that old man, he's going to be Harlan. I know it. Did you Uh, see that coming or was that a surprise? I did not. And that's part of why, again, I like to binge shows when they're over is because when I take 12 months off from them, I will forget things. Um, And so as soon as it was like, oh, that's Harlan, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But no, I did not do uh, a lot of critical thinking of who this man could have been. Um, So I was very excited for the reveal. I think it's been fun. Uh, I do think this is a very different side of Victor that we're seeing with Harlan. Um, I think Victor may have been a little more cautious knowing the capabilities that Harlan ultimately may possess. But uh, you know what? I'm all for the confidence as well. Yeah. And Harlan is going to explain, like, I was going through a lot the day that Sissy died. And I sort of was able to be attuned to you, Victor, and other people like you, implying other people with superpowers. And so at that moment when she died, he had like an overwhelming connection feel for those types of people and could also feel the mothers um, being scared because I guess they could instantly feel something growing in them. And that's when I think in his efforts to sort of help out reached out and accidentally murdered everybody. At least that's the way he explains it. I don't know. It still seems like a little bit of something that was maybe out of his control. Well, I think like that his, his tuning was definitely in tune. That was really bad. Um, (laughs) But I think he was, you know, he was, he was able to find, you know, Victor, Victor's frequency, which I thought was really interesting because, it just shows the connection between Victor and Harlan and how strong it was that like after his mom died, the next person he wanted to see was Victor. And um, that was really, to me when he was telling the story, I was like, Oh, and then he's like, and then I blew everybody up and I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, um, like good intentions, but the actions didn't, didn't really um, match up to those intentions. And I think that is because he didn't necessarily know what he was doing. What we've seen um, from him thus far in the little montage we got last episode was just like a bunny and then like some kids at school. So I don't know if he really like expanded past the hospital room ever before in terms of, of area or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I feel like even now I'm like, uh, no one taught me how to do taxes, let alone like a superpower, <laughs> like to have to learn how to handle by yourself. So maybe that's blame... what Christopher is. He's the H and R block. He's the block of H and R block. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it is like Victor is recognizing, just like Diego thought. Like, uh, it would be hard to be mad at Stan for this accident. Like, it would be hard to be mad at Harlan for something that, like, ultimately he can't control. Um, yeah. And, like, no one was there for him. Uh, and, like, I can imagine how awful that would feel to have been, like, responsible and, like, the reason that he has these powers. And then to have walked away, like, a day later. So, yeah, I understand Victor's guilt here. I also um, I'm remembering the, the conversation they had last episode, too, where Harlan was like, hey, I wasn't built for this. Mm-hmm. And so coming, you know, Victor taking responsibility for that. Like, I gave I gave this kid something he wasn't able, like he wasn't equipped for, which I could probably go into a lot more of like, yes, that's what life is. But um, 
you know, uh, Victor wasn't around to help while while Harlan was figuring all of this out either. So I, I too can empathize and understand where Victor's coming from. Right. And so we court, sort of get into the big crux of this episode, which is Victor feeling bad for causing Harlan to have this power, which has resulted in a lot of pain and difficult life on top of the difficulties that Harlan was already going to have given everything else that happened in his life. Um, And then whether or not the fact that Harlan's inadvertent actions of killing their mothers created this Kugelblitz in this timeline and that is destroying the world, uh, whether or not that is reason enough to kill Harlan or should they try something else. And that's kind of the plot line that we're going to get into in a little bit later with uh, the world ending and the sparrows and the Kugelblitz and all that. But first, I'm going to take a quick break and just talk about a couple other things. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. And now that we're back from the break, before we get to the world ending yet again, we have to unfortunately talk about the worst plot line to ever happen, ever. And uh, we've been building up to this for several episodes, but... Hey, remember how annoying Allison was? It's about to get a lot worse. Well, I'm interested, uh, Scali. What are your your impressions of Allison up until this point? Mm. So, in past seasons, um, I liked Allison. <laughs> um, I was I don't know exactly where I'd throw her on the rankings, but like you know, a middle tier three, four, who knows? And then 
this season we get in i'm like i get it allison's annoying um maybe uh not the favorite thing to watch but like i enjoy character development and i do think that this is realistic to what she would be feeling in this moment so like i am understanding all of the things that i am seeing on twitter and oh uh this makes a lot more sense (laughs) of why everyone is very very negatively uh (laughs) reacting to allison and uh, i can't say i disagree Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to have a character that you find enjoyable be sort of annoying or difficult to watch based on the fact that they're not having like a fun plot. Um, But that's very different from giving your characters pretty evil maneuvers that are difficult to come back from, I think. Yeah, and there were a couple of times prior to where we're basically coming up to talking about um, Allison and Luther's interactions in this episode. But there were a couple of times before that where she like, like, moves away from the group and like does a lot of deep breathing. And so I was like, am I supposed to feel for her in this situation? And then this, this, um, you know, confrontation happened. And I just I even on the rewatch, I was like, I cannot, I cannot watch this. But then I was like, I have to watch this because I have to talk about it. But I cannot, I cannot watch this again. It was really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think that this kind of reminds me of, oh my gosh, this was like a really stupid one of those like inspirational quotes you see on Instagram with like the cute little background. But it really jumped out at me, which is like, you're entitled to your own feelings for things that are happening but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're entitled to the actions you take on those feelings and the consequences they might have case in point allison and luther here but before we get to that let's start sort of at the beginning of allison's stuff uh she starts the episode with having a memory of waking up next to ray uh, back in the 60s and him comforting her after she got her voice back and i think i think the point of this was supposed to be like Look how hard Allison's had it. So don't feel so bad for what she's about to do, but didn't really work on me. Um, and I was really uh, confused at the beginning, though. I will say, like, I was like, where are we? When are we? What is happening? Oh, it was a dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's supposed to be the point, right? Like, Allison is having a really hard time connecting the fact that she is now in a completely different timeline where all of these people who have been comfort to her don't exist. And even the people in her family who have been comfort to her in the past are not uh, sharing those same feelings and characteristics that they used to. So um, she, it sounds like, did go to the racist bar with Diego at the end of last episode and get into a fight. Um, there is there is kind of a cute scene where Luther is really concerned about all of their injuries, like Diego's, Allison's, and um, Victor's. He's like, wait, are you okay? What happened? Did you go fighting with Diego? And everyone just kind of brushes it off. But I'm like, at least someone recognizes that. Now, the fact that Luther takes the time to recognize their like little cuts and bruises, but no one is like, where's Klaus? <laughs> is, he, <laughs> is he dead? Where is he? Oh, a little frustrating, but. I, I also think like they're used to Klaus not being around. <laughs> being around. And five. Nobody wondered where five was. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. it's the type of thing where uh, things are a lot easier to forget when they're not directly in front of you. Uh, so I guess we get to give What's him that at least. Object <laughs> permanence, right? Like yeah, it's exactly. like not there. <laughs> and if anyone were to uh, have issues with object permanence, I would believe it was Luther. So seems realistic. Yeah. What have you Your been point. feeling about Luther so far this season? 
Um, I don't know. For me, Luther's always been kind of towards the bottom. Um, I don't find him super interesting. Uh, dead I, last. Dead, yeah, <laughs> I I would say coming into the season, dead last. Um, and like you know, still is pretty far down. But um, for Luther, it's like I have enjoyed the like almost like childlike like glee that he uh like feels and seems to bring to the show at moments uh like moments of like this where he's like really caring towards his siblings uh like are good but um i'm just not super invested so even when he is like finding love with sloan it's like oh this is cute but i am not you know uh, ultimately emotionally invested in luther uh do you have major thoughts on the switch between allison to sloan and um, I because I was watching it much like you of like oh, okay I guess that's the thing that they're doing yeah I think for me it goes back to how I talked about like yeah this is fast but that's the Umbrella Academy it's a little cartoony yeah. it's a little like not serious at times and that's fine I'm sure that uh, having your timelines mixed up within the course of five days three times uh, would be very confusing so uh, I don't claim to have that experience and uh, you know what if it causes your emotions to go out of whack very quickly then sure like uh, yeah. if anyone in here were to fall so quickly like it would be luther uh it's not necessarily uh like the most interesting or compelling way to write this but i'm fine to like move along with it yeah and so luther's gonna be concerned with allison's condition because she's very obviously being separate from the group drinking a lot and uh palling around with diego all of which luther sees as red flags so he tries to comfort her which turns sour pretty quickly when she sort of i guess tries to kiss him it, it doesn't even really quite get there it just seems like they're hugging closely and she turns her head a little bit and that's when he pulls away i did notice that they were playing like what i'm calling the luther and allison theme there's a song that they played a lot in season one between the two of them that they were playing quietly in the background here. Um, but the second he, sh he pulls away, she's like, wait a second. I thought that you kind of had a thing for me. And he's like, yeah, I, uh, I gotta go talk to Sloan. I'm kind of on that now. And, um, they get into a bit of a fight where he says that he doesn't want to be used as a distraction anymore. Uh, you can't use me. And she says, I can, if I want to, and this is where yeah. the bad stuff well, happens. And she also, like, she tries to justify it by saying, I'm tired of, oh, what does she say? She's like, I'm tired of people deciding how much I can lose. So, like, she's, like, trying to take this from, like, an empowered moment. But this is, this is, like, getting, like, drugged at a club or, like, this is, like, a consent conversation. This is not, oh, yeah. this is no bueno. Just, like, red flags up the wazoo. It's Sorry, a problem. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> like, it's not like, even. No. It's a big problem. Um, it was like an immediate no on Allison for me. Um, yeah, it's like it's assault. Um, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I just like I don't know how she even not like how she gets this point like i understand that she went through this extremely extremely traumatic stuff but it just feels off character for me um yes. i am surprised that this is where we went with her uh but uh that's where we ended up well and yeah like i totally have been in a place where i don't know how to process the world 
around me, but that does not mean that I have manipulated people around me. I'm sure I've been codependent, like as a human, I'm sure I've been codependent on people to try and help me feel better. But this is like a whole, it's not like a, Hey, I'm lonely. Can you hang, can we hang out? This is a, no, I want to do sexual things with you to help me feel better against your wishes. Mm-mm. Yeah. And obviously the against your wishes, clear power struggle dynamic here. Um, the fact that this is sort of like drugging someone, sort of like blackmail. It's it's a lot of things here. Um, I think that they could have potentially come back from this if we just had her threaten and say, like, I can if I want to, and then maybe consider rumoring him but then going you know thinking better of it realizing that she can't actually do it i feel like that would have been really hard but you could have kind of come back from that being like well she chose not to so maybe she's just having a hard time but the fact that she actually goes through with it i mean she cuts it off quickly but it's still like oh still does it that's what bothered me as well as the ending of this whole thing is so she's like hey don't i can use you if you want i'm going to use you i'm going to rumor you like they start making out and then she's like she says stop in a way that's like stop i don't want this not like stop i'm making you do this <laughs> this is a stop i don't want this and then she gets up and leaves and and it's very very like it takes a lot of different lines and melds them all together and th- she is not the victim in the situation she totally made this happen yeah, not at all. She's the abuser. I mean, yeah. I would be curious to see how the like writers and directors like um, ultimately if they've addressed the reaction at all and or like scene. Um, I know, for example, in Game of Thrones, like there was a number of scenes where uh, mm. they air and then the they're like wait that's what the audience reaction was and like they didn't view it in the same way or they didn't expect that same reaction i don't know and i didn't know then and i don't know how um they could have expected anything different um but uh this is such a odd choice for me for them to be making yeah because there's a lot of most of the um articles and things you'll find are like why the writers chose to give her such a dark plot line this is not dark in the same way as everything else that happens with her like you cut this one scene out this is her like going villain and that's not really this is like going like Kelly said like this is abuse this is abusing and this is like yes we talk about abuse when we talk about Reggie and yes we talk about stuff like that but we never resolve that this moment in context to everything else that goes on with this family and every like it kind of just is there and that's what i think also bothers me as well is like okay so she does this but it's not like they have some sort of conversation but it's not like a, hey allison you assaulted me <laughs> conversation like they don't talk about it in that in those terms mm-hmm. and i would not expect it to be addressed in that way in the future like i feel like if we were going to get that right. it would have happened um right. because i feel like we do like leave this scene uh, just like, very abruptly and don't ever really get any conversation <laughs> that addresses it. And I would not expect to get it in the future at this point. Um, and that's unfortunate. And I don't know if they were trying to tell us in the previous episode that like, like, and here's the thing, like, I can't justify this at all. This is me like trying to make sense of something that in my mind makes absolutely no sense. But um, 
like when she rumored herself in the previous episode of like, hey, she's using her rumor in a different and not so great way. But I was not expecting this to happen. So I did find an interview with Steve Blackman, who is the show's creator, and um, addressing the specific scene that we're talking about here. He says, I really love what Allison's storyline is in this season. And Emmy, uh, who is the Mm -hmm. actress who plays Allison, and I talked a lot about PTSD. If you follow the story, she ends up in the Jim Crow South in 1963 without a voice literally for the first year. She can't speak. And then when she does get her voice back, she's not allowed to speak because she's in a world of racism. She also meets a man she loves and then is torn torn from him just the way she was torn from her daughter. Her journey this year, even though it's darker, is not about anger. It's about pain. She's dealing with the loss of two people she loved the most in the world and they don't exist in that timeline she took a chance to come here and get her daughter back and now her daughter doesn't exist so emmy and i talked how would the character sort of spiral out of control where can we find this character ultimately i think she finds herself in the end but she has a tough road to get there everything he's saying makes sense and is fine it doesn't explain this scene um or make this scene okay i think her being angry or in pain or lashing out or having some uncharacteristic moments um, makes sense. And I think for anyone who's listening to this who says, maybe you do horrible things when you're in pain, that's one thing. But I think that it does, it, it's something that I think the main, main problem with it is, it doesn't ever get resolved in the right. rest of the season. They never have a conversation about it at the end um, or, or again after this. She doesn't apologize for her actions um, on this and on lots of other things that she's going to do. So I think that I understand the the heel turn. Um, some people have been comparing this to, like we mentioned already, like some of the stuff from Game of Thrones, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and also like the the last season of Game of Thrones. So it's yeah, it's it's obviously it's not okay. It makes the character difficult to watch, and I'm not exactly sure what it is because I think we all had a much easier time coming back to. Uh, being on the side of Victor after season one when and season two when they ended the world. And, and so it's like, why is that not as bad? Is it because it's cartoonish and this hits a little too close to home and this is too real? I'm not sure why this seems so much more unforgivable than people like murdering in the show. I don't know. I think that's what it is. I think it's cartoonish. I think that also like there's been a certain um I'm trying I'm blanking on like the right word that I would want to use, but just like people are a little numb to like violence on TV and just like it's for entertainment um, where I don't think that uh, what happens here should be used in the same way. Uh, like as the they say in the interview, like I have no problem. Like the actress performs it extremely well. It's like if this is what you want, like sure. But like having immense amount of pain still isn't an excuse. And if that is how someone is going to act that like uh, because of that much pain, it doesn't um preclude them from criticism and so i think most seasons like we kind of start on a like relative restart and i think it's going to be harder to do that with allison because of this yeah i think there's a lot of been a lot of questions i've seen in the discord as well of just like how does allison come back from this like how does she and even to to what the creator of the show said in the article that you read mary i mean they did a lot of nuanced stuff with Allison's story and if you're not paying attention to all of the things that are like happening loss of child 1960s Dallas being black in America like all of these things 
it's hard to find justification for many of her actions. You know what I mean? Like if, if you wanted to make this point, I think the point could have made been made one without this interaction and two in a much clearer way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then something else that I had mentioned, I think when we did our season one rewatch is this is actually slightly more comic accurate. Um, something, uh, the character of Allison in the comics is much more intentionally manipulative of the people around her, um, including Luther. And it's implied that most of the Luther Allison romance that we saw throughout season one and two uh, in the comics is actually like, all manipulation on by Allison and all used as her distraction from her divorce from Patrick uh, and less so that they actually had like a childhood um, connection. So that's interesting. I think in general, the show made Allison a more likable character for the first two seasons. And I don't like this heel turn, but um, it is where we, where we're at at this point. Uh, Allison is going to have other interactions in this episode, but that's where the Luther stuff ends for now with Allison. Um, and I definitely think that we're we're trying to build up to more of the just kind of out of character things that Allison's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we jump into more of the plot that we're we're finally we're finally getting there plot wise, finally trying to move <laughs> this thing along. So um, on the Sparrow side of things, Ben still wants Harlan, uh, you know, he's upset about the the deaths of his siblings. And so he wants the old man. um, And then at that point, he feels like it'll be okay to try and merge the two families together to destroy the glowy thing that's in the basement. Faye, on the other hand, is like, shouldn't we just skip to that second part? Why do we need this? Like the first thing seems kind of irrelevant. I mean, yes, he did. He did murder our siblings, but like. Yeah, well, and Ben's, like, super dismissive of this point. Like, it was Faye and Christopher are like, yo, this glowy blob thing that's, like, first of all, can we also talk about the fact that they took uh, Grease's eye and, like, put it in the thing? And I was like, (laughs) I don't know if this is the thing that we need. But, like, we've, we've got, like... Marcus is gone because of the blob. You want to get Harlan? Talk about Marcus not being here because of, of the Kugel Blitz. You know, like Ben, again, I think, you know, we're seeing a failure of leadership from him here by dismissing Faye and Christopher in the situation. Yeah, it's not ideal um for sure like i think yeah the argument is there of like oh we want harlan gone but like we will all be gone in potentially a day for all that ben knows like it should seem uh pretty urgent but ben is kind of a cartoony villain and i enjoy it about him (laughs) like at this point so um, Ben's gonna ben yeah exactly (laughs) like i am not uh so mad at it it, from like a like show perspective like i'm just enjoying the ride going along with it obviously uh bad decisions being made by ben here but uh still entertaining i just was like faye how many times has he said this to you like like, (laughs) how many other things were you write about you probably write about so many more things yeah i I wish that we had seen what was on the other side of the of the eye like I, oh, I kind of surprised yeah. they didn't show us Grace's eye going in there. She just sort of explains that she thinks it, it it's like some kind of collapsing black holes, uh, which Ben doesn't buy. But then Faye's like, "Yeah, well, I mean that that could be what this is." Again, which should tell you this is a problem we need to deal with. I just love that Ben's like, 
let's just li- go about our life living in this house, ignoring the giant thing in the basement. It's causing well, all kinds of problems. And for the record, I will just say I personally did not need the string coming from Grace to the eyeball, but I could see from a comic book perspe- perspective that that was probably pretty cool. But I just was like, I could, no, stop. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Google Blitz is going to also give off another pulse or i think five is going to call it a wave and Mm. it's it's bigger this time it destroys some buildings and most of the other people potentially time travelers in the hotel uh all die it seems like at this point mostly just the umbrella academy is left still unclear who we're picking and choosing to to kill uh like why are none of the main people dying i guess just maybe because they've got powers because they're essential to the plot. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> that's basically what it is. Yeah. Uh, they have powers, so they're immune. Like, cool. Um, whatever. <laughs> whatever rules yeah. you want to operate by, that works for me enough. Well, and I think in this, we did see, you know, uh, Mary, we've been talking about, like, how big is the radius of the Google waves going, you know, how mm-hmm. far, how far, and we do get, like, a zoom out on the globe, and I think it goes from, like, it definitely hit, like, Chicago or beyond the Mississippi in in this uh, getting go around. bigger. Yeah. yeah. And right around there, five estimates. So five and Lila come back from the future, and they're like, yep, end of the world, Google Blitz. Uh I do feel like we should have spent a little more time discussing Allison's plan of like, can't we just jump back into the past then? Um, and he's five says, well, that didn't end well last time. I, I know that didn't end well, meaning you got separated in time, but it's better than the world exploding and all of time. Yeah. But wouldn't dying. the Google Blues also be there still? I don't and know. Like what also end the world. Before the parents died. <laughs> right i think i think that's the idea is that they need to go back in time before their moms died yeah. and now that they have the knowledge that harlan did this i mean i guess they don't know that yet but at least victor knows that so if they went back in time victor could just go find harlan and be like hey let's try to remove this power from you bada bing bada boom everything's back to normal yeah. i mean claire probably still doesn't exist i don't think we're ever getting back to that timeline <laughs> like yeah because uh, it Claire seems like married reggie at the end sorry <laughs> i guess it comes down to how much faith do they have in uh like five's control of where they end up uh that seems pretty important in this uh where they actually end up because if it's just that you're gonna potentially be stuck there like well you're stuck here <laughs> you're stuck here already so <laughs> let's take I the one d- shot i still don't understand why we went back to the sixties. Was that intentional by five or is he just like mean to go back a couple days and then accidentally poofed them back to the sixties? Unclear. Everything is very not, it's not nailed down, which maybe is why he doesn't want to risk it, but oh well. Um, so there's a big debate between the Umbrella Academy over whether or not they should work with the Sparrow. Should they give Harlan up? Should they protect Harlan? And this is kind of where we get the title um, kind of with Victor that, that like they could just go overpower the sparrows. I don't know why they're sort of like dealing with this negotiation when they have all the power. Um, Luther says like, well, yeah, but maybe some of us could die possible, but like that didn't happen last time. So I don't know. None, none of you died in that first fight you had in episode one. Um, but then I'm also kind of with Lila where she's like, why do we care about protecting Harlan when like our goal should be protecting billions? A little bit of a trolley problem here. Mm-hmm. 
one it, old man with superpowers versus the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the trolley problem, like to the biggest degree of like all of time and space will stop existing <laughs> versus one person. Um, so, I mean, you know, toss up. it's a toss up for me. I, <laughs> I think that uh, Victor's argument uh, that is not made in front of the family is ultimately the best one of like, uh, remember when I almost uh, ended the world the first time? Uh, seems like maybe Harlan could just do that himself if he feels threatened. So uh, like that seems like a pretty good argument of why maybe we should uh, talk things through. But unfortunately, that was not brought up in public. Well, and especially time. because like Harlan just straight out threatens you know victor at the beginning of this episode of like mm -hmm. look i could blow you to bits ready go <laughs> like okay <laughs> all right hold it down a little bit look if i've said it once i've said it a hundred times communication is not this family's key like they <laughs> yeah there's so much where if victor had just had this conversation with them maybe they would have understood and victor's also gonna say like if i die somehow by trying to stop the Kugelblitz, even if we give Harlan up, but somehow Har Harlan fights back and survives. Now I've left Harlan here with this power and no way of, you know, taking it away or helping him. So that's kind of the new plan that Victor has, which Allison kind of gets on board with and actually is the one to sneak Harlan out while Victor tells the others what's going down. Um, Kind of love the fact that they're like, where's Harlan? He's like, Victor's like, gone like uh, i snuck him out and they're like ah oh, dang it like they, they don't even try to go after him like he's like right outside the door <laughs> it's like oh no shucks we lost that one. <laughs> oh well um and yeah so that's that's kind of everything they've got going on a couple more really small things at the end of the episode um diego and lila reconnect bow chicka wow wow in the buffalo room um and uh, I, I do like the line when Diego says that after the many, many women that Lila's been with, he needs to be wooed. <laughs> He's like, I need, you to, I need to give you flowers. And she's like, nah. <laughs> but um, definitely some foreshadowing here of watching her watching Diego interact with Stan um, when he's kind of goofing off with him, but then giving him some rules, telling him to clean up. And she's like, oh, you're actually not, not so bad at this whole daddy stuff. Yeah. Interesting. I might need a I might need a daddy every once in a while, is what she's thinking. Yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am enjoying Lila and Diego. Like I enjoyed them in season two, but I think their chemistry is even better this season. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I think they play extremely well off of each other. I think it's like scenes like this in particular are so funny where he's like, oh, like I need to be wooed now. And for her to be like, well, I can just go find another Dilf. So like be careful. <laughs> <laughs> like they're very funny together. They're very good together, and it's so much more enjoyable to watch without Diego's really horrible haircut from last mm -hmm. season. <laughs> I was not a fan of the long hair. Um, so, yeah, they're hanging out. I, now, I do think the one thing that doesn't work as much on a rewatch is the fact that Stan is not Diego's son. And right. so every time that Stan acts like he is their child, I'm kind of like, Stan, why are you still playing this up? Like, this... Boy was committed to a bit. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I think, he like, because in in I, it might be the next or the next next when we get that backstory in Berlin, we know that he is desperately also looking for for a father figure. So the fact that he's playing into it is because they think he wants. He just 
he wants to. He he wants that father figure. And Diego's giving it to him. He's like, here, I will be your father figure. Here you go. I just feel like if I was a 10-year-old and some woman is like, hey, let's go mess with my friend and pretend that you're his son, the second they start giving me chores and grounding me, I don't think I'm on board anymore. Uh, but <laughs> I'm like, you hey, can yeah. time travel and you're nowhere with super people. So Yeah, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> he knows that he can't do anything against it. The chores yeah. is a really good point because like the relationship like between them still holds up for me i like really enjoy seeing uh their interactions i think that they also like play very well off of each other um i can see why like stan would want that father figure and diego like it knowing that's like uh what we know about their relationship like doesn't change anything ultimately like in um how i enjoy diego uh with stan but um, you know, when Stan folds so quickly on like uh the whole dead body of it all earlier in the episode, but keeps this ruse up for the entirety, uh, you know, it's a little questionable. Do you think we'll bit. see Stan in season four? Like, I wonder if he's like a bigger part of the story than we know about. I think he shows back up at some point. I don't know if that's season four. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they might concentrate more on the like actual child, but we'll see. I mean, not that Stan's not a child, but he's not their <laughs> child. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and, and it's stuff like that that I think that and the Allison stuff in particular, when people say like, oh, this season like could have been a good wrap up for the end. It's like, yeah, it could have, except for the few things that really don't fix themselves by the end of it. So fingers crossed for a season four, just because I need a happy, concise ending. Uh, we'll see. Um, so we get a little bit of uh, another hint towards the next episode with the pachinko door opening. And we know that there's a portal beyond uh, that will, I think, I guess happens at probably the next episode when we get to that. But um, nothing, nothing yet. Uh, another sort of cliffhanger that we get at the end of this episode that Again, I thought this whole plot was in this episode, but no, it's just my brain working on a binge. Uh, closing the loop. Klaus and Five have a cute little discussion about dying and seeing their future selves. And both of them at the same time are like, shouldn't you know you founded that <laughs> that building and or that uh, the commission? And then Five's like, shouldn't you know that you've been coming back to life all this time? Like, eh, I guess not. <laughs> I guess we're cool with that. What I think about is interesting about that conversation is I think it gives us some more information as to when the when the time or when the commission was established because five mentions in that that he doesn't want to die a one-armed corporate man and so like being a one-armed first of all i didn't notice he had one arm when he was talking to to old five in the last episode at all. i didn't either but i went back and yes in okay fact, so we know it's like after the events of what we see at the end of the series, but at the end of the series, that five has its arm back. So it has to have happened somewhere in between or concurrently, or it's a di different version of five and it's a clone. Thoughts, comments. What are you thinking? I read some articles online because I was doing Ooh. some deep dives into this after last episode. Um, I said I was going to do some research into the whole how does five found the commission thing and there's a couple different theories on how this happened um one is that basically up through this point it's still this five and then at the point where basically only the the last couple moments of this season change but in a different 
timeline five goes loses his arm in the in the battle in oblivion and then maybe tries to jump backward in time says screw it let me just you know we're not going to win this let Mm -hmm. me jump backward in time and at that point jumps far enough back to found the commission um hoping that his future self will not go through these (laughs) these actions again kind of doesn't make sense in a lot of ways with the tattoos and all of that but because how why would he have this tattoo he only has this tattoo because he saw him have this tattoo as the founder that's kind of confusing or this is just like a a future timeline if we're given to believe that the end of this season is still in the same universe that that five later on will found the commission and at some point also loses an arm again (laughs) those are the two main theories that i had which did that that wasn't very concise but it did help me figure at least come up to terms with it because I could not come up with anything that I thought made sense last episode. Time well, travel, man. It's hard. I would not be representing Posha Recaps if I didn't believe in the clone theory because it comes up on pretty much every other podcast about that has weird time travel stuff. So I'll I'll throw I'll throw a coin in the in the clone pot and see what, what shows up. Scally, yeah. how's your brain handling the time travel? Uh, you know what? For me, again, in Umbrella Academy, it's a little cartoony, and I throw my hands up and accept what they put on screen in front of me. Whereas on some other shows, they might do a little more uh, critical thinking of mm-hmm. does the timeline match up exactly. I think that like we've seen um, different times where uh, like these characters have run into versions of themselves, like in, not in a numerous experiences, but like it has happened, and they don't seem to remember uh that having happened so um i think that ultimately like there are probably a couple different timelines in this universe and like that five old five went on one of those timelines which young five ultimately has now uh decided that he will not himself be going on and not becoming the one-armed uh creator of the um commission commission yeah wow um hard blank (laughs) but um yeah so i think it's basically just like there are a couple different forks in which like the different versions of five probably uh makes different decisions and that was one of them he doesn't ultimately go on it and uh never ends up becoming that version of himself yeah it's it's the one-armed mystery we shall find out yeah, hopefully that will be explained in season four, but I don't have high hopes. We'll see. I, I really don't think that Christopher's ever going to be explained. I think that that's just for us to... I'm fine with that. I think that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, and so after this conversation, uh, Klaus recognizes the tattoo from Founder 5, which, remember, uh, R5 has carved off his body. Oh, I still didn't need to look at this. It's so gross. <laughs> and like the putting of it in the pocket. No, thank just you. Just slapped the skin down. Ugh, gross. Um, and Klaus is like, oh yeah, that's uh, the biker gang, the Mothers of Agony, who I think he says were his his drug dealers back, he said two timelines ago. So I guess back in like the original timeline. Uh, so that's pretty <laughs> funny. And then Five goes to that biker bar, and which I am 95% sure is the same set mm-hmm. as the bar in Riverdale. Oh, I thought season. you were going to say that was <laughs> oh. the bar that Diego and Allison went into the night before. Because I oh, could have also was. might maybe been the same <laughs> set as that. I was thinking more on the. I mean, I think every bar- biker bar in a TV show probably just looks the same. But I'm like, oh, the stage is in the exact same spot mm-hmm. where Betty did her serpent dance. <clears throat> I have a Riverdale podcast. Yes, if I anyone do. wants to. <laughs> 
plug before the plugs. All right. So we, uh, yeah, but we get actually a little reveal here, which I think most people already knew about because it was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is where we get the, hey, Pogo's alive in this timeline. Mm. Yeah, uh, I missed Pogo. I'm not upset about it. So it was exciting to see his face. I uh, very excited to see uh, where we go with Pogo in the future now that he's back reintroduced. Yeah, it was it was fun to see him pop back in. And then uh, as we like in future episodes, we do get a little bit more of his backstory in this timeline, which I thought was really great. Yeah, I'll have a lot more to say about Pogo in the next couple episodes. Because I think he's also someone who went through a bit of a character shift. And I don't just mean because of the leather jacket and the well, cigar. Is he the same Pogo? I think he's a totally different Pogo. We mean a totally like different Ben. Pogo. Like Ben. Is Ben the same Ben? Oh. Is Ben a totally different Ben? I think he's a different Ben. Yeah, he was, I guess, raised differently by Reggie. Because he seems yeah. very different. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about it later. A um, couple other things to wrap up. Uh, there was a shot of the emblems. Uh, the sparrow and the umbrella, they were seen in Klaus's eyes as he was dying at the beginning of the episode, laying down. So I'm like to track those. Uh, something that Scally mentioned earlier was like, or someone did, we wanted you to, <laughs> was that, like, this is <laughs> this is the Umbrella Academy and not the Sparrow Academy, Umbrella Academy show. And yet they're still doing those Sparrow logos as well at the beginning of each episode, hidden throughout. So there's mm. that. Um, sadly, at least for me, it didn't really have any many song takes this episode. They didn't play like a full song of anything. Um, so I guess, Scally, just of the first three seasons, were there any big song moments you particularly enjoyed? Ooh, there are. Um, I am blanking because I, again, have a bad memory when I am not currently binging a show because I move on to the next very quickly. Um, but uh, the well, song... there was the Footloose dance at the beginning of this season. Well, OK. Too. Yeah. Now that you bring that one up specifically, I have gone and like watched like the choreography video. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah so so good. <laughs> should we learn this? Or <laughs> like um, I had seen, I think, actually, uh, the Sparrows number one on like TikTok had posted like behind the scenes learning of it and stuff mm-hmm. like that so that was a lot of fun to see i would say the footloose uh instantly it's what this show is for me where even if that had been happening in real time and like that's actually the timeline that we went with not that it had been a, a figment of his imagination like i would have been like okay that's the show and i can move on with that and be happy <laughs> <I'm on board. laughs> like that's fine yeah i think and i think that that's what a lot of people got into from season one it's certainly what hooked it for me was like i was kind of eh, meh through the episode in in season one when i first watched it until they got to the dancing part i was like oh okay <laughs> i'm on board <laughs> this is great um so I think it's fun. like a great like use of showing emotion without saying anything mm-hmm. and yeah. like bringing everybody together in that way because they don't have to like in the first step in the first in the first season it was all of them dancing together but apart and right in, now they're dancing together but and like against another team yeah um my brother i know he's been giving me updates as he watches this season and he said i was so upset if that was real but then it wasn't so i was okay about it (laughs) like all right footloose world live in the footloose world no he was like where is this show gone it's just (laughs) off the rails too much it's Um, been there frankly (laughs) for me Yeah. Uh, thoughts that we got from the listeners on Discord this week. Uh, mostly just a lot of reiteration of the, no, Allison, no, what's happening? 
from Todd the Librarian. So shout out to you, Todd. Thank you for giving yeah. us your play-by-play of all your episodes. Um, yeah. Any other particular reflections from this episode in relation to the rest of season three or the series as a whole from either of you? Yeah, Skelly, just anything like even that we'll be talking about in future episodes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on. Um, I'm looking through for anything that uh, like comes from this episode in particular, I do like that the sparrows like find out that the Google Blitz is in their basement and are like, yeah, we'll just continue living here. That's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, decisions are not always uh, what they could be um, for uh, the Umbrella Academy, but like, I just go with them. It's fine. I enjoy <laughs> it. Uh, and so when things like that happen, like, I stop questioning the others. Um, there are many thoughts I have on future episodes. I don't want to bring you down like too many rabbit holes but um just uh when people are like for example when they're talking about like oh we could jump and get stuck it's like well you're already in the worst timeline so like let's figure it out versus and i think that that comes up a number of times in the future where it's like uh, like, do I push this button? Like, what is the alternative? <laughs> like, stay here in the situation you're currently in? Like, hit it, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. we have nothing to lose. So uh, <laughs> I think that happens a number of times this season. And I am always firmly team hit the button. Hit the button. <laughs> yeah, one of the things, and I think I talked about it in the binge cap, but one of the things that really sticks out for me as the series as a whole is just the, yes, you ha- you could go to many different timelines and yes, you could do things, but the most powerful thing is the moment you have right in front of you. So mm-hmm. just push the button, just dance at the wedding, just do these things, be in the present moment type of thing. At least, or that's my view of the show in the lens of the world that we are currently living in. <laughs> See, I think I'm a little more flight than fight. I think I would be like, let's just try the jumping back in time thing. This world sucks. <laughs> like, let's get out of here. I think the second I show up and notice that there are sparrows in where there should be umbrellas, I'm like, no, I don't let redo. <laughs> let's try this again. Not good. Not good. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been uh, fun talking about the season. I think that we've discovered a lot as we've been going through it on the rewatch. And of course we've got, Episode six coming out in just a few days after this one, still releasing twice a week. So make sure you keep listening to those. And we have a few other special guests planned for the future. So you'll definitely want to stick around to see that. Um, Scally, it has been so much fun talking with you. Can you give us a little bit about what else you've got going on coming up this summer? Oh, no. Well, first of all, thank you both for having me. It's been very fun to talk about the Umbrella Academy, a show which I find to be just like endless joy, um, Mm -hmm. a ton of fun to both watch and talk about. So very glad that I got an outlet to do that. Uh, As far as other places where you can find me talking, I'm currently talking about the challenge finishing up All-Stars 3 and about to start talking about the challenge USA over on CBS, a brand new version of the challenge, uh, talking about that over on the Dom and Colin podcast. So definitely check that out. And also about to start talking about Big Brother and very shortly Love Island over on RHAP. So both of those are a lot of fun, very time consuming, but worth it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, take a look at those and uh, anything else I'm doing, I will always talk about on Twitter at Brian underscore Scally. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and for giving those shout outs. Um, can't wait for the challenge CBS or the challenge USA, whatever it's called. 
Yeah, one of those. That one. One with Tyson on it. That's yeah, the, the one, one with Tyson. That's the one I want to watch. Yeah, yeah that one. Um, Marissa, where can everyone follow you? Uh, yeah, you can always find me in the Potion Recaps Discord, which you can get ask- access to if you join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Recaps. You get access to the Discord at any level. We're talking about lots of things all the time, so we'd love to see you there. And otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at MarsBars, M-A-R-Z-B-A-R-S, or talking here on the Umbrella Academy. Mary, awesome. what about you? <laughs> yeah, you can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary and uh, check out the Big Brother coverage I'll be doing soon with Rob has a podcast and the aforementioned Riverdale coverage still happening over on Kowski Cast. I know we've gotten a couple people from over here to join us over there, so keep them coming. If you like this, Riverdale's got superpowers too right now, so you'll probably enjoy that. And biker bars, I hear. <laughs> biker bars. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. It's basically just the exact same show. (laughs) All right. Until next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.